Let it play, buddy boy. Good morning. And happy new year. Chad, how you doing, bud? Pretty good today. You have a good new year? Oh, absolutely. This is Chuck and Chad. Coach Al, miss you today. Speaking of sports, the, I guess we shall call it the New Year's uh, edition. Yeah, the season two of the new year new show. Yeah, we have a lot going on, so we thought we'd do a special edition. We probably won't be back weekly until closer to baseball season. But there is a lot going on, and we have special guest Larry Bowe with us for an extended visit today. We were locked and loaded for uh, Coach Bowe, right, bud? We have a lot going on. Absolutely. Bo, yeah. happy New Year, yeah. bud. How you doing? Same, same to you. Yeah. Same to you. Everything, everything's good. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's good to hear. When do you head uh, When do you head south, Bo? Uh, I'm going down to that fantasy camp on the 18th, so okay. I just stay down there. Let's talk Trey Turner. Uh, okay. W- what a great addition. You know, not only on the field, obviously speed and, and defense and, and hits, and he gives you the whole package. What's he do to the, the clubhouse, uh, Bo? Well, he's he's an a, a unbelievable addition to our team. There's no question about that. Uh, I really believe this guy, there's nothing that he can't do on the baseball field. Uh, he, he's such an asset to you defensively. He's an asset, obviously, with a bat. He can steal bases. He knows how to run the bases. Uh, he's played on a World Series team, so the experience factor plays into that. He's got a he's really a low key guy as far as his personality. But when the umpire says play ball, it goes to another notch, and he's just going to lengthen our lineup tremendously. I mean. Uh, and when Harp comes back, which I don't believe is going to be what the so-called doctors have said, I, I'm not an expert on that, but I know Harp, uh, I think he's going to be back much sooner than the projected date. And once he gets back in that lineup, that's a difficult lineup to journey through, believe me. Oh, absolutely. So so what is someone like like a Trey Turner who comes in, obviously he's he's a super, in the superstar caliber guy, what are what does he do for someone like like a Mayton or a Stott? Where you say, okay, maybe Stott's going to go to second base now. But what about someone like like Mayton? How do you think some of these younger guys maybe competing for some of those positions there? What what is it? What does bringing someone like Trey Turner do, do for someone in, in those in those types of positions? I really think it helps us. Um, those guys want to be on the baseball team, and Mayton sort of adapted to that role at the end. Uh, you know. When you have a guy like Turner, this guy likes to play every game. And then you got a guy like JT behind the plate who wants to catch every game. Obviously, the catching position is much more difficult playing every day than the shortstop position. But I think it's going to just Im- increase the value of a guy like Maton. Uh, if you want to give a guy like Turner a day off, you can put Maton out there. If you want to give Stott a day off or or, or Bohm or Hoskins, uh, a guy like Maton can play everywhere. He can play the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just feel that uh, a guy like him and Veerling, they bring so much value to your team. Uh, obviously, if someone should go down, you don't want that to happen for a long period of time. Those two guys right there could definitely just step up and, and go in. Uh, Sosa's another guy. Gives you that versatility everywhere on the diamond. And then the outfield, uh, the, I think the outfield we got uh, Cave. He can play all three outfield positions also. So Dave Dombrowski sort of put this uh, roster together with the idea that if anybody goes down for a long period of time, we have replacements here, not just double-A AA or triple-A guys, guys that have played in the big leagues like the guys we just talked about last year playing on a team that went to the World Series. That experience brings so much to the table, it's unbelievable. Bo, Bo what is the difference with Maton and Stunt? Now, there's obvious differences, but is the decision made long ago that one doesn't project at the major league level like the other? I, I mean, is it looking at Maton saying he's just not going to be an everyday player? Stott obviously is. And what, do, what does he lack there for, you know? Well, I think in the infield, Maton, like I said, I love the kid. Uh, I think the consistency comes into play. Uh, if you're an everyday player, you got to make routine plays all the time. Mm-hmm. And and I think watching him in the minor leagues, I, I really like Maton. At times, his mind has a tendency to wander a little bit. But again, the maturation process of him is, is growing. Uh, 
as we speak. Uh, you know, he's starting to learn how to play the game under control, not just go out there and uh, try to make plays when the play shouldn't even be attempted to make a throw to first base, things of that nature. But I think when you see a guy like Stott, the way he handles the bat and everything, and you know he's going to give you quality at bat, you want him to play every day. And a guy like Maton, it doesn't bother him. Some guys it bothers. Good point. If you put him at, if, if, if some guys it bothers him if you put him at, four or five different positions. It's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. I think Chingery is a good example. I mean, this kid came up with him at second, short, <laughs> center field. Uh, you know, and I'm yep. not saying that's the reason he didn't hit, but when you first come up and, and they throw you eight gloves and they say, okay, we don't know where you're going to play, right. that wears on you. It's hard enough playing in the big leagues, but then when you're a rookie or a guy like Maton, okay, now you got to go out and take fly balls in right field. you got to take some in left field. That's tough. That's a tough assignment. When you have a guy that's accepting that role, to me, that's half the battle. It's okay. If this is what I have to do to make the team, I'm all in. If you get guys like that to like, and Veerling's the same way, I'm sure both those guys want to play every day. There's no doubt in my mind they do. Sosa wants to play every day. But I think if you, if, if push came to shove, you want to say, do you want to play every day on a team that's going to be 25 games out, or do you want to play on a team that has a possibility of going to the World Series again. That's a great point about mentality. That's what you're talking about, and fans don't know that. You know, we see box scores, we watch them play yep. the eye test, but we don't know about yep. mentality. We don't know what how they were groomed in the minor leagues regarding right. certain nuances they did, didn't like or couldn't do. Uh, but that's what the inside knowledge knows, and the fans don't know. And but, I, I just want to I want to get this in here so everyone yep. can can hear. May is what Bo was just saying, or he played. Five different positions last year: second base, third base, left field, right field, and shortstop. That's I mean, that's nuts. And it was actually really balanced: sixty Balance. innings at second, fifty in left, and not one error. Really? And not you know one what? error. Wow. I, unless I'm wrong, I don't think he played any games in the outfield until last year in the minor leagues. At times, most of us playing in the minor leagues, the games I've seen with either shortstop or second base. You're correct. Yeah, I believe you're correct. They're looking at and, some of the majors and, last year. Yeah, that looks good. You know, and, and the fact that he did, did that and learned it that quick, I, you know, and, and not make it, I didn't know he didn't make any errors out there. How about that? But when you when you have that kind of uh, uh, versatility sitting on the bench, and like I said, he's not the only guy that can do that. Beerling plays all three. He even plays second base. Sosa's unbelievable in the infield. You can put him anywhere. And I'm sure you could put him in the outfield, too, if you wanted to. So to have that kind of versatility on a baseball team when you're playing 162 days, that brings so much to the table. And Stubbs, you can throw Stubbs. Yeah, I've seen Stubbs yeah. take ground balls at second base and at first base. So the fact that we have all those guys that can play multiple positions, if somebody should go down, God forbid that somebody mm-hmm. has a serious injury, um, we're in pretty good shape depth-wise. And I know people say, well, a guy like Maton, you know, he's pretty young. That's a tough, tough thing for him to do. But you saw what he did last year, and you say, hey, this yep. guy can handle it. There's a mentality that goes into accepting that kind of role. Some no guys would say, you know what? I'm not playing every position. This is what I am. Send me back to the minor leagues. So hopefully a scout sees me and they'll make a trade for me. But their attitude, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's a lose-lose situation when you have that kind of versatility. Because you put a guy in for defense and he messes up a play. Oh, how can you do that? So every time we put Veerling in for defense, or even if Maton goes in or Sosa, and they make a mistake. That's a tough thing to a pill to swallow because it's not that easy. And you guys have watched baseball. How many times have you seen a guy go in and the very first ball hit mm-hmm. is to that guy? That <laughs> exactly. The ball will find you. It it's will find you, man. It will find. It can. Can we give credit? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm out in the limb here a little bit. But regarding that versatility and, and playing multiple positions, can we give a lot of credit to Madden when the Cubs uh, won and he had. Uh, multiple players playing different positions that gave him a lot of options. No question. And I think that's sort of when this all started. You see right. you see uh, general managers, or in our case, our president, uh, but you see them when they put their roster together, you don't see a lot of guys just play one position now. Uh, you know, guys, they have these things they call – I don't know who's in charge of it, but they make you take a rest if you play 12 games in a row or something. We never had that stuff. We just went out and played. But And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. But that's just the way the game is now. So you got to you got to incorporate that into your long-range 162-game schedule now 
And these general managers are getting a lot of guys with versatility that can play everywhere on the diamond. And you're going to see, I mean, even uh, Houston had a bunch of guys that could play everywhere. But I think it's a, it's a big plus when you have that many guys that can options. do that many things. Yeah, just yep. options. Yeah, I guess nobody told JT last year that he had to stop catching this month, right? <laughs> That's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I mean, and, and you have a guy like Stubbs. You talk about attitude. This guy didn't play, I think, for the last six weeks. Right. And you didn't get one peep out of him. He was probably the best cheerleader on the bench. If you watch really? the camera, yeah. do the dugout, he's cheering for everybody. He's got a great attitude. And when you did get in before the last six weeks, he did a good job. He did yeah. something. Every time he went in, he did something that said, wow, this kid, he knows how to play baseball. And when you have those kind of guys with that versatility and their attitude, that's a big plus. Yeah, I don't know when he became a pretty decent hitter because his minor league numbers offensively were sort of woeful, but he, he was a, a good hitter. Uh, he was a tough year. out. You know, he's a tough yeah, out. He a tough quality, out. Yeah. quality at bats. Uh, looking at pitches, like you say, he was, he was a tough out. Yep. So right. looking at um, changing a bit over to, to Derek Hall. Good question. It, look at his minor numbers, about 160 doubles, 100, 120 home Shoot. runs. Some pretty impressive numbers with Man. just about an 820 yep. OPS. Holy Toledo. Not a ton of time in the majors so far, but from what he has had, eight doubles, nine homers. Did he really? And he's, he's 27 years old right now. He's right. probably going to be... Uh, a lot of you know DHing a lot to start the season with with Harper out, uh, right. but do you think someone like this has trade value down the line because he's another guy in a tough spot where it looks like Hoskins is blocking him? Yeah, good question. From really getting into that everyday type of spot once Harper comes back. No, that's a great observation. I, I think uh, Derek Hall can can play in the big leagues. I really do. Now, is, is the big thing he's going to he's going to strike out against good left-handed pitching? But I think if you if you trade him to a ball club and get say, hey, you're going to get 500 at bats, this guy's going to hit 30, 30 to 35 home runs. That's scary. And the thing that people don't look at, I mean, you might look at the way he feels ground balls and everything. He's a pretty good first baseman. Right. He really is. He does a good job at first base. And nothing against Haas because I've seen Haas. Haas works probably more than anybody on our team. But this guy, I would say, is a little bit better defensively than Haas. But, again, he's being blocked. And uh, but again, here's another kid with a great attitude. Uh, he's been up, down, up, down, and you never hear one word of, man. I just want an opportunity to play every day. I should be playing every day. But again, that's another personality that uh, fits in good with the, the the type of ball club that we have. Especially at 27, Bo. That's when he could start to really gripe. I mean, at a certain point, when you're in your prime and you're not getting at bats, and your career's you know running past you. This guy says, gee, if I could play, like you said, maybe DH somewhere in the American League, this guy maybe puts up 40 doubles and 30 home runs, 70 extra base hits, and this guy ends up signing for $10 million after an opportunity like that, you know? I, I know, you know, I look at some teams, you know, I'm, I'm just off the top of my head. I'm looking at Kansas City a little bit. I'm looking at Miami a little bit. Right. I'm looking at uh, Pittsburgh, teams that uh, Baltimore. You know, if, I, if I'm a rebuilding stage and I'm looking for some power in the lineup, I'm not saying the Phillies would trade right. Derek Hall, but I would inquire about him and say, hey, what's it going to take to get a guy like this over here? We need somebody with some pop. We need somebody to can play first base. Uh, and, it, and maybe that is happening behind closed doors. Right, but, uh, right. If, if I was a, a general manager, I would definitely look into that uh, yeah. that part of it because I think it, not only is he a, a good baseball player, he's a quality human being also and he's going to play at the major league minimum so he's not going to cost you anything budget wise right right and you're right i mean it's the guy that's got 280 extra base hits in the minors he could handle first base and he's at the point in 27 where you, you got to go one way or the other you would think the marlins who look like once again have constructed a lineup that will have 68 one run games again always be right. in it pitching wise but it looked like their run production, once again, is going, just not going to be enough to, to convert some of those one-run games into 20 more wins, right? They just, on paper, oh, don't Yeah, look good. I mean, they they got great pitching, but if he can't score any runs, what good is it? That, yeah. and, and, you know, to me, to me, Hall Hall is a guy that if he wanted to, he, he will never do this because I know his personality. He could say, I, you know what, I, I know I can play in AAA. I, I don't want to go down there anymore. Uh, but the fact that he has options and things like that, again, uh, you never hear him complain. 
uh, about anything. He could very easily say, I've done what I'm supposed to do in the minor league. I need to be traded. I will hope you would grant my wishes. But again, this guy, even when he got called up towards the end, he didn't get very many at bats, but you could see him on the bench being a, a, a team oriented player. Uh, those guys are hard to find now. Like, because guys want to put up numbers. They want to get paychecks. But uh, the guys that we have, as, as I call them, extra men or utility men, whatever you want to call them, they're quality people. And uh, they would much rather play on a team that has a chance of getting to the World Series again as opposed to going to a second division team and you're out of it by July or August. You know, Bo, you're describing a lot of guys that have you know good attitudes. The Braves say that their model is uh, you know baseball IQ, but attitude positive yep. attitude you know the old model of bringing in the potential superstar and there's a history of problems you know with that prospect teams have kind of woke up to that and said no we need to groom players that will be an asset in the clubhouse too and you just described four or five of them where you're not getting any attitude problems they seem to be very cohesive and that seems to start when you draft these guys, there's got to be more criteria now to draft yep. the right kind of player. Is that true? No question. And, and you know, uh, and there's there's good analytics. There's no question. Analytics are part of the game now, and they're going to be they're going to continue to be part of the game. But analytics do not measure that. Right. You have to go out. A scout has to go out and watch these kids in college or high school, and watch their attitude and watch them when they start playing in low A to double A to triple A, riding buses. You, you can gather so much information when you watch a kid go through your minor league system, how they, how they act when things aren't going well, when they're 0 for 16, mm-hmm. are they still team players? Right. There's so many things that go into that that, that the analytics do. They, you, I don't care how good of an analytic person you are. You can't pick up those traits unless you see it with your eyes. And uh, that's very important, I think, putting a team together now. There's a prospect that Chad wants to play one question of stump the band. So he's going to give you the uh, slash line and uh, he's on the 40 man roster. There's a hint. And uh, I, I'm betting you're going to know this guy, but we're going to have fun with this for two seconds. Good, bud. I right. bet I don't know it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a ni- 19 year old. Oh, well, that gave it to him. Uh, second Jeez. base shortstop Jeez. prospect with a 290, 380, and 380 and an 850 OPS through his career in the minor leagues thus far. Uh, any guesses who, who we're talking about? Is he in the Phillies? Yeah, yes, with roster. the Phillies. 19. Ooh, 290, wow. 290, 290 career in the minors. Now it's brief. It's 19. 380 on base. Uh, I got 850 OPS. And did he play at uh, Clearwater last year? I'm going to say yes. Chad's going to tell verify that in about two seconds. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. In twenty well, twenty twenty two. Yeah, clear Bo, water. Bo's mm-hmm. got it. He's getting warm. I could feel it, right, Bo? You got it. You got it. Yeah, there you got it. You're you're gaming us, man. Yeah, uh, just let me let, uh, let me think now because I've seen I've seen a bunch of uh, of um, minor league games. Uh, is it? Uh, Lee, yeah, because we, yeah, yeah you it. got it. Bingo, you get the, okay. you get he the part. Yeah, he can hit, right? He can hit. He can hit, and I tell you what, this guy can. He's another guy. I think his best position would probably be third. He's really got big legs, not from being out of shape. He's just right, a right. big dude, big low, dude. the lower half, and uh, he's going to be something you're going to keep your eye on because everywhere, every time I've gone to watch this guy play. I mean, he squares it up, and uh, he doesn't try to hit home runs every pitch. He, he got a two-strike approach. I really like the kid a lot, wow. and uh, that's another, you know, feather in our cap. Uh, this guy's got a chance to do something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, people have ragged on the Phillies, you know, draft and uh, top 100 prospects and all that, but it seems like they've addressed that. And uh, they've got some really good talent now in the minor leagues because you also have a pitcher we'd like to talk about whose numbers I had to check four times. This I always say the names wrong, of course. Griff uh, McGarry. McGarry, uh, good check, arm. Check this out, Bo. In 111 innings pitch, this does not seem believable. This looks like DeGrom. In 111 innings pitch, he's only given up 66 hits. 
with 173 Ks, which converts to a strike a K per nine of 14 and only five hits per nine. How good's this kid look at 23 years old? He's really good. Uh, the, the biggest problem with him Walks. right now, walk yeah. his command. Sometimes I've seen him, his command be really good. He also has this blister problem that crops up two or three times during the course of the season mm. that that prevents him from maybe uh, making all his starts. He's got a power arm. There's no question. Uh, he's right up there with Abel and Painter as far as uh, uh, velocity. If he had Painter's command, right. <laughs> he would be unbelievable, right? He's got to learn how to harness that a little bit. But he's got tremendous stuff. I mean, real good stuff. Uh, he's only 23 years old, and uh, he's another guy you keep your eye on. There's no question. Those three guys to me, Painter and Abel and, and, and McGeary, are guys that well, you can call them inventory if you want. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. When somebody goes down, yep. uh, and these guys keep progressing, and they don't have to come up maybe and make two starts because you put a guy on the uh, the IL, uh, you don't have to hold your breath out there and say, "I wonder if this guy can get big league hitters out." Stuff wise, they can all get big league hitters out right now. Right. Do we expect to see Painter next year? Yes, I think we would. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, broke camp with us. Now, again, this is just me talking. Uh, if he comes in and throws lights out in spring training, um, like I said, right now we, we would probably consider him as a five. The reason he'd be a five is you got to watch his innings. You can't, you can't jump his innings way up. And if he's a five starter, you can skip him. Uh, I think they're more concerned not about his ability to get people out, but about his innings. They, they don't want right. this guy to go jump up to 170 innings right away. So, yeah. But I, I would think if he has a good spring, I could see him making our team wow. very easy. I can't wait to see him just because of his size and his last name. I mean, they're going to have some fun with that last name as a pitcher. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll tell you what. He can paint. He, he, I'm telling you. It's going to be entertaining. But Before we dive into the rule changes and whatnot for next year, uh, help enlighten us to this extent. Everybody that, that – that, loves you and your career and, and how you've helped the team and all, uh, your passion. As a senior advisor, and you don't have to write your whole job description here, but what primarily uh, or is your biggest duty? Is it looking at the younger town and, and, and giving them your opinion on what's needed, a general assessment, how much are they tapping into that? What's the biggest thing as, as a senior advisor, Bo, that you do? I think the biggest thing, well, you know, I do. I, they want me to go to all our home games, obviously, to watch our team. But when they go on the road, then I'll either go to Clearwater, Reading, Jersey Shore, or Lehigh Valley. Depends, uh, you know, if I haven't seen a team like maybe Clearwater, I'll go down and watch them. And then when Dave asks me questions about guys, uh, what do you project this guy to be? You know, I just give him my opinion. Or I might have seen a kid where a couple other guys seen him and he was red hot and I went down there and he didn't do anything for me. So I don't like to make a judgment just seeing him once or twice. I like to see these guys. Uh, I'll give you a great example. Uh, two years ago, Stott. Uh, I didn't like Stott at all. Uh, I watched him in spring training. I thought he was out of shape. Then he went to uh, Jersey Shore. I watched him in April when they came and played up here in Wilmington. He looked terrible. No range. Uh, and Dave asked me, he says, what do you got on? I said, right now, I, I, I'm not on him. Then I went back in June, and this kid did a 180. I mean, mm -hmm. he got in shape. He started making plays. And Dave asked me again. He says, uh, are you still down on him? I said, no, not at all. I said, this kid impressed the heck out of me. I don't know if he came in out of shape. I don't know if he didn't work during the offseason. But, uh, but there's a great example. If, if, he, if I'd ever went back and seen him, the first observation was, nope, I, I, this guy's not going to be able to play in the big leagues. And then in four months, I watched this kid turn everything completely around. And I'm glad I told Dave. I said, hey, I, I want to see more of him. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, when you when you come from spring training and you're not used to cold weather, and you're from Las Vegas where the weather's great. Good point. And you come up here to the east, 
April's a bad bad yeah. time to play baseball. Great it's point. cold. It's yep. rainy. The fields are in bad shape. Uh, you've never had to play every day. I'm sure you played a few games yep. in, in bad weather, but playing every day in the month of April on the East Coast, it's not fun sometimes. So I'm glad I got to go back and, and you know, see this kid, how he responded. And, uh, you know, obviously the rest is history. This kid's going to be a good player. Well, I'll tell you, you nailed uh, your assessment of him when I we met at Dutch's golf outing, if you remember, and we brought his name up. And you said he's not ready to hit major league pitching now, but it wouldn't surprise me latter part of the season if he if he adjusts. That's exactly what he did. So that was a darn good call right there. I'll tell you that he he is going to hit. Yeah. Believe me, he's going to hit. Yeah, and and he's going to hit. I think he's going to hit eventually. I'm not saying right away. Fifteen home runs. He's going to be a good solid two eighty two ninety hitter. Uh, he gives you great at bats. He's not afraid to hit with two strikes. He's got a two strike approach. He's going to be a big asset. And right now, looking at our lineup, he's probably going to hit towards the bottom. Right. That's a pretty good bat in there to have yeah. towards the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, great point. If he develops and Bond develops, that now, at least on paper, I'm just talking now on paper, when you look at Atlanta's lineup one through eight, uh, making a big reliance on Harris and Grissom, and they're, um, at look like they're going to be outstanding players. You don't know right. what's going to happen with the Mets with the uh, Carlos Correa yet, but mm-hmm. let's plug them in right. for a second. That lineup one through eight is formidable. Their their team WAR is like twelve points ahead of the Phillies team WAR, and that's because the Phillies have young guys. But you do need offensively those two positions, third base and second base to develop, right, Bo? I mean, uh, at least OPS, right? More extra base hits, that will come. They're definitely going to develop. And I, uh, you can throw Marsh in there, too. Yep, yep. Marsh is going to develop, too. Yep. Everyone, everyone would look at his strikeouts and everything when he was with uh, Anaheim. Uh, this kid turned some stuff around here. He's still young. And you take those three guys, and I think the ceiling is very high for all three of those guys. And, and you're talking about young kids. These guys are young, and hopefully they're here for a long time in a Philly uniform. That's a that's but uh, you know I I, I I just think that the way our lineup is structured right now, uh, there's not really easy outs in our lineup. Uh, you know, and again, I think Castellanos is going to have a much better year. People don't understand. You get traded. You come over here. Expectations are much higher than where you came from. Meeting new people. The environment's different. Uh, the fan base is different. You got to put all that into perspective sometimes. And I really believe that. I think you saw what this guy could do the last month of the season. Yeah, when, yeah. when yeah, they started, uh, every game meant everything. He's a career hitter. So he, he, he just, yeah, he can hit. You don't flick he a switch. Did, what, nope. uh, from a baseball sort of a technical standpoint, if we can, without diving in too much in analytics, people don't like that when we do that. But what did he do? wrong last year in his approach that hurt him offensively was it was it just chasing outside the strike zone was it a particular pitch what was the problem i think it was pitch selection right i mean you saw him go up and yep. there was a period of time where i was sitting here when they were on the road saying he's going to swing at the first pitch no matter what right. and he did he did yeah. it was unbelievable and yeah. you know and again but hitting a baseball is hard. There's no question about that. Hardest thing. But when in this guy's selective, when this guy's selective, man, and he, had, I look back at a lot of his videos. He had a lot of home runs, not last year, years before, to right center field. Yes, he did. I mean, he drove balls that way, and he got away from that a little bit last year. I really believe this guy is going to be a big time bat in our lineup. That people are going to go, "Wow, where was he last year?" Yeah, it's an adjustment period, and and I'm sure. He'll be the first to tell you, hey, I'm a better player than what you guys saw. And I think he showed you the last month, month we and saw a half. It. He played good baseball. And, and needless to say, better defense. <laughs> we don't have to talk too much about the plays he made in right, 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 yeah. right field, right? So, yeah, he played great defense at the end. Yeah. So there's a lot of rule changes next year, whether, you know, we like them or not, they are they are coming here. And there's going to be pitch clock timers, bigger bases, and some major shift restrictions. So I was looking at the shift here for a second. You can only have two guys on either side of the field. How does that change preparation for some of the hitters 
most impacted, like like a Kyle Schwarber, for example, who hit so many balls, what looked to be right into that, right into the shift on that right, you know, right uh, short right field area. Well, first of all, I don't think a guy like Schwarber's ever going <clears> to <throat> change his swing. Change, yeah. Uh, even, I mean, you could put ten guys over there; he's going to swing the same. But the fact there's only going to be two over there, you're going to see his batting average go up. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, if I'm if I'm playing against him, I'm still putting the second baseman way over. If he wants to hit the ball at the middle, that's fine. But I don't know if I told you guys this before, but I was thinking about this shift situation. If I'm facing Schwarber and I'm the other manager, I'm taking an outfielder and putting him in left center. I'm putting one in right center, and that third outfielder, I'm going to put him on the grass. Oh, oh you just hey, he doesn't have to be on the dirt. <laughs> now, they're, they're, you still have the shift now, but he's not on the dirt. So why? There's no no one's addressed that, and you know there's going to be a manager that does that. That was I'll our give next you a question. Down the left field line, I'll give you a bloop down the right field line. I'm taking away gaps, and I'm going to put my roving outfielder on the grass, where I normally if I had a three man infield, he has to where he play. Bo, no one's uh, addressed that. Bo handle and Bible. That was our next question. Do you anticipate? Outfielders playing in the shift hole to adjust for guys like Schwarber. You're hired, my man. I don't know that we can afford you, but you're hired. You know? I I do expect that. Yeah, I'm going to let them. I'm going to try to make them change their swing. Yeah, yep. but, exactly. But no one's ever brought. I've been reading all these articles. No one's ever brought it up. They haven't said, "Hey, I've I've, I've also you know." They no one's brought that up about the the, the third outfielder. Right, and the the other thing that I want to that I, no one's addressed, you know, in the bottom of the ninth, when you're you got the winning run, and they bring five infielders in, right? Are you allowed to do, do that, that, or you can't right. do that now? Yeah. So that's another subject because whether you have a shift or not, that was all part of strategy. Bring five infielders in, let's see if we can cut this run off at home plate. No one brought that up either. So I guess according to the rules, you can't have five infielders. So that's part of the strategy that. We'll go by the wayside. You know, it's it's funny. You know, that's crazy, Chad, that Bo brings that up. I read everything I could read the last week, and I didn't read a word about the five infielders so that you see tonight. Yeah, what, the, what the, is the rule does not preclude a team from positioning an outfielder in the infield. In the infield. Or in the shallow outfield Because you're giving up an outfield spot. Yeah, it prohibits four outfielders, right. which I guess would be taking the second baseman into that yeah, right field which area. Which we saw right, last year right. a lot. But we saw it doesn't yeah. appear that it precludes – it precludes the outfield from coming into the infield. Very good catch, um, bud. We'll see. We'll see if something changes. But yeah, it's definitely an area that hasn't been talked about about too so, much. So, bud, you're right. uh, so uh, Bo, you're in favor of the shorter game. Obviously, it looks like by minor league comparisons, we should save about twenty to thirty minutes per major league baseball game. Get it closer to two and a half hours. That's a good thing, right? I, I like I like the pitch clock. I, I watch right. it in the minor league. I like it. They pitcher. And, you know, the guys are going to have to get used to that are the guys that have been in the big leagues. Because these guys coming up through the minor leagues, they're used to it. Right. They're used to that pitch clock. And, and I've watched games in, in AAA, AA, and A ball, and they are faster. There's no doubt in my mind. And pitchers get the ball, they throw it. Your infielders are more alert. They're not on their heels. They're ready to make a play. Uh, that's, that's the one rule I really like a lot. We uh... – for the last 18 months, Chad has done research. He's got the background in, in heavy analytics, and he's had fun with this. And we were on record, he was on record, about 18 months ago saying that when they eliminate the shift, batting averages would not go up. If you still listen to Major League MLB Channel, which I love, they do a great job on MLB and ESPN, they are uh, maintaining that when we eliminate the shifts next year, you'll see more offense, more runs, more excitement, da-da-da-da. Uh, to Chad's point, and hats off, the minor league statistics and results and the Arizona Fall League, which have now done it for two years, show that the lack of shifts did not inflate the batting averages one bit. I agree. I, I, I read an article Jason Stark did. I was, I, the, To be honest with you, I was shocked when I read that. Right. But there, it's been more than just, you guys doing it. Jason Stark did something. Uh, there was another individual that did uh, a survey on it. And it was amazing that the, the data they came up with, it's, it's not going to improve the hitting that much. So 
it's going to be interesting to see. I know you're going to see more teams signing infielders now with more athleticism than that. You're going to see better plays by the shortstop going to his left, going to his right, second baseman going to his left, going to his right. You're going to see some more athleticism as opposed to putting uh, in nothing against him, but Mustakis playing second base mm-hmm. uh, for Cincinnati. Uh, you're not going to see that. So, I mean, that, I think that that part of the game is going to be improved. No, no doubt in my mind that you're going to see some athletes out there in the middle of the diamond making some great plays. You're going to have I, more shortstops with 700 assists maybe like you had. And when I question you, well, when I quite, I don't bring this up to embarrass you all the time, but you know, it's not a bad way to be embarrassed. Right. But when I, when I, when I said to you, Bo, how did you get the 700 assists three, three times chances? Uh, you talked about the mental preparation that you knew Carlton and you knew he was reliable and he'd put the ball where you thought he would, you'd be breaking on the pitch. And it was really preparation, mental preparation being into the game that gave you the opportunity for so many chances because Schmidt ate up a lot of balls to your yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. He said, "I got him down here. I'm doing a. It's not out yet, but I'm doing a a study uh, on best defensive third baseman, and I'm doing D War Artado RF nine. A lot of cool stuff that people hate, and uh, of course Brooks grades number one by by a lot. Do you want to take a stab? at least statistically, by this crazy stuff that I'm using. Do you want to take a stab at what third baseman so far grades second all-time best defensively at third base? Take a stab at it. You're one for one so far, Bo. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's so many good Somebody who really impressed you, and you were like, well, this guy was uh, amazing. I'll tell you who impressed me more than the, as much as anybody, and I managed him. Roland. Yeah, he's at the top two. Yeah, he's Scott Rowland was unbelievable. I mean, uh, Schmidt was the best, but and his numbers are better. Bro, there's not that much difference between Schmidt and Rowland, in my opinion. I'm, I'm I'm talking about with the eyes. Right, right, right. Schmidt's the best. Schmidt's the best for me. But Rowland, huh, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, this, and a cannon of an arm. Right, right. So who was the guy that? that yeah, the, that? the the guy that grades real close but didn't play enough career games because he was only seventeen hundred twenty five career games and Brooks was uh, like 2,400, no, 2,800. So you lose the longevity stat. So what I do is I divide games played by D war. Now you have what I call D war per game. I own that one. Nobody has that one out there. And it's Cleet Boyer. Cleet Boyer. Yes, he was good. He was unbelievable, apparently. Yeah, he was a good third baseman. I was just looking up just for the hell of what I could find online. This is from 2009. The It said, you know, some guy ranked the top 10 defensive best third baseman in history, and Cleet Boyer was actually number one. Yeah. So I was just looking, just funny, I was looking that up here, not knowing what you were going to say. To your point about Roland, just to show you how good he was, and the critics of, of, of war are losing their standing because over time, you know, say, okay, best best center fielder is 25 years. Just say Trout War because it will be, okay? The best defensive uh, shortstop ever, War, D-War. Just say Ozzie Smith because it is. I right. mean, D-War, right. O-War is deadly accurate. I heard on the WIP this weekend somebody said, no, oh, it's a bunch of hogwash, all, all, all this war talk. No, they've refined it. It's so accurate. It's unbelievable. And 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 Scotty Rowland, this is crazy. His D war and a lot less games than Schmidt by four hundred games is higher than Schmidt's uh, career D war. He was a better defensive. Th- I don't think any of us knew it, Bo. We watched him. He he. I test be damned. I don't think we appreciated Scotty Rowland for what he was defensively. Right. I don't think he was, he was unbelievable. Well, you know, when, when you're, you're, and I had a great look, uh, especially at the vet, because, you know, when that dugout, you're looking right at third right base. Right at it, man, yeah. And, and you can see jumps that, uh, and uh, <laughs> I'd see him make plays, and I'm saying, as soon as the ball's hit, that's a double. And not only did he make a great play going to his right, but he could get to his feet quick. And then, like I said, he probably had a better arm than Schmidt. Schmidt yeah. had a good arm, but, but, but Roland. I'm telling you, man, he had a cannon. And if he didn't have some back issues uh, that 
curtailed his career a little bit, he would have. He's probably going to get in to the Hall of Fame. It I mean, looks it, it. looks according it. to what the articles you read now. But uh, he was a very sound, good baseball player. He didn't make, never made mental mistakes. Uh, gave you quality at bat. Hit home runs. Great range. Good arm. Run the bases extremely well extremely for well. a big yeah. guy. Except will be fast. Uh, yeah, he was he was fun to watch. And a guy that's not going to make it, of course, you know who I'm going to bring up right now. I sent you something on him, and uh, a guy just did a, um, a a real nice review of Abreu, and uh, it is incredible. So one of the stats of many, but players with as many career walks and extra base hits as Bobby Abreu. So it's it's 1,480 walks and 921 extra base hits. Here's the list of those players that match Abreu. Ruth Gehrig, Ott Williams, Mugel, Manol, Yastrzemski, Schmidt, Thomas, Tomey, Jones, Pete Rose, and Barry Bonds. That's a vote for wow. the Hall of Fame, isn't it? Yeah. No question. Yeah. And, I mean, this guy, this guy, offensively, there's nothing he couldn't do. I mean, and, and he would do, you talk about somebody who could hit with two strikes. This right. guy was unbelievable. It's almost like he wanted to count to be one and two or only two. So I got on him a couple times. I said, Bobby, get the bases loaded, man. You're taking a ball right down the middle of the plate. Right. And he'd say, I, I know what I'm doing. I said, yeah, I guess you do because he could hit. <laughs> yeah. But every time you look up, the count's 0-2. And, and then, boom, 3-2 and two and a double or whatever, a walk. Yeah. To, he could hit. To your ob- tremendous. To your observation, it's always nice to have the stat that underlines your point. To your observation, his career uh, batting average is late and clutch. You know, so you've got the eighth and ninth inning, tie trail, stuff like that. Is just as good as his career numbers, and with two strikes, you know, and uh, wow, that's an uncanny skill, Bo, in Major League yeah, Baseball it's, it's, to get O two, yeah, O two with today's pitching, you're buried, all right? but yeah, it, yeah. Well, Scott the, does it. Scott does it for us right now. He does. This guy takes two strikes, and like I said, once he gets a feel of what pitchers are trying to do and everything, and uh, I just think he's, uh, you know, he's got ice water in his veins. This guy's going to be a good player. Chad wants to talk to you about the bigger bases. Yeah, so we're seeing 15-inch okay. bases go to be 18 inches. So we're going to about four and a half inches reduction between first and second base and second and third base. So we're seeing more, more stolen base attempts. I'm just curious on your opinion. I, I personally like it. I think it gets us a little more of a... Uh, Back to like a small ball mentality, encouraging steals, some buns, anything to get the runner really to the bases quicker. The only thing I, I you said it's four and a half inches. Yes, it's probably going to be about six inches because they put these uh, oven mitts on now too. Yeah, right. So right, right. You know, that, that thing's that thing's long. That is long. Uh, so you're, you're talking maybe a half a foot, which is you know, if you got guys that can run, it's going to definitely enhance their chances yep. of stealing bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably going to see more stolen bases uh, from various different teams. Uh, I mean, our team, I thought uh, Paco Figueroa did a great job with our base run. And if you take a look at our percentage last year, it was extremely high. And now you got the bigger bases, you got the oven mitts, uh, you got the, the, the fact that the, uh, as, a, as a pitcher, you're going to throw over there twice. If you don't get them, then they go over there another time. It's a boss. Yeah, well, Bo, that's the point. So, I mean, what's Turner? You should be able to steal a lot of bases because a guy like Trey Turner, if, if I'm facing a left-hander right now, I'm getting out as far as <laughs> I can. That's what I like said. And, and mentally, I'm <laughs> right. saying, okay, I'm going to get back here because right. I think he's going to come over. He does that twice. You you go as soon as this isn't. Next time you go, as soon as that leg kicks up. Yeah. So, the, um, so, so if uh, there is a third pickoff attempt – and the and uh, the runner has to be out. If he's not out, then you automatically get the next base. So yeah, yeah, that third pickoff attempt is a huge so, gamble. So, so let me explain it. And I think Bo just crystallized it. But if and Chad, Chad was a super fast runner, I know what you'd be thinking. You're going to take an extra lead to get yep. the first throw over, Bud. I, mean, I would get a, I would once, get a big lead and lean yeah, back and say, just yeah, come over. Well, that's just, what that's to get, what Bo, they really get in their that, heads. Yeah, that's what Bo said. You're leaning back. But an extra your, mentality your mentality is not going back. To going first. back, yeah. so you draw throw number one. He can't throw now. Ostensibly, he can't throw on the second pickoff because he knows he's got to get you. 
So I mean, if you right. if you look at, at baseball just today in general before this rule, there are a lot of pitchers who aren't comfortable with pickoff moves. You see guys lob it over. Yep. So the, the pickoff does. move is already in their head. Now yep. if you can yeah, get Scherzer, Scherzer does it. He, yeah. you, know, you ever see him throw over their heart? Yep. yep. He yep. Lobs it. Right. Now exactly. you get big leads and you get further into their heads. You could see some pitchers. I wouldn't be surprised if some guys with runners on turn into almost completely different people because they're so conscious about what's going on here right now. I can't make this mistake. I can't give up the balk. Right. Especially with and a good hitter up, too. Throwing yeah. the pitch clock, yeah. too. And the clock. So you're yep. introducing the, the, the pickoff rule change the same year as the clock mentality. you right. got certain pitchers, Bo, that are so nuanced, it's going to drive them crazy. So what they're not going to do, they're not going to well, be focused on the pickoff, right? More right. so on the clock. And that's right. that's going to... I mean, that guy for the map. Bassett. Yeah, you're right. He was slow as hell. Slow. I don't know how he's going to make that adjustment. No. I mean, there's certain pitchers in baseball. I was, I was going through it. I'm thinking guys like Turner may end up at 60, 70 stolen bases because they're almost yep. not thrown over. Once he I, programs I that it. with analytics, he's going to have a 15-point yep. foot lead. You're never going to throw him out at that point, you know? Yeah. Man, yeah the only thing you got to worry about there, though, guys, is uh, – Stealing bases, it does take a lot out of your body. That's what you know? Trout said. Pe- pe- people what, don't yeah. understand that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you're playing every day. Your, your joints are sore. Then you start di- diving head first. You're worried about your fingers, your shoulder, your elbow. Uh, it, it, it wears on your body. I mean, it, it, there's no question the stolen bases are going to be up, but you also got to be aware that some of these players, I mean, I, I heard an interview with, with Trey and somebody said, well, you're going to steal 70 bases and laughed. And he says, I don't know if my body, and he says, this kid's still young, he's 30 years old. Yeah. I don't know if my body can go through 70, you know, and he's right. It's, 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 it takes a lot of, it's wear and tear on your body when you steal bases. That's ex- uh, but you, I do, I do believe you're going to see a lot more stolen bases. No that's question. A, that's another great point. And to quote a very good player, uh, that's exactly what Trout said. After his first full year, I think he had like 30. Yeah, close to 40 or 40, 50, yeah. And, and he, he said, stop stealing. He said, I got to stop it. He said, I, will, I won't have my OPS. I may, I could maybe lead the league in stolen bases, but I won't be right. anywhere near my uh, you know apex OPS if I'm stealing bases. Yeah, Trout, Trout had 49 stolen bases in 2012. 49. He had, he had one last year in well, 120 well, games. Well, go the year after he had the 49. Went down to 33 and, and then, then 16. 16. And then it so, went actually back to 30. Okay, yes. But then he just, nowadays he's in, yeah. he has four four stolen bases since right. 2020. But but he did get slower after the 40-something, right? But he decided that he just he just couldn't do that, you know? And that's, yeah, that's, that's a great out. point. Have you taken a look at the schedule? Bo, are you excited about the changes with the schedule? Uh, what are your comments there? On on what was that now? Well, the the new schedule, the the different. I part. like it. Yeah. I, okay. I like playing everybody. I, I do. I, I you know I mean, even though you take advantage of team like Cincinnati or a team like in your division uh, Miami, you play in nineteen times, man, and you, and you get that central division where you got to. Pittsburgh, right. you got Cincinnati and the Cubs up until maybe halfway yeah. last year. Those three teams right there, man. Those are I'm, there's no easy wins, but it's an it's an easier part of the schedule. I like the fact that you're going to play everybody. And uh, the only thing that I would do different, I, I looked at some schedules. I would like teams to play in their division like the last month of the season. You know, I think that would be that's important because if you're chasing somebody in your division. Uh, I, again, I don't know. I don't know how many games we have with the East in in the the, uh, the last month, but that would be something that I would look at, no question. Yeah, they. Uh, you, I mean, let's face it. We had two hundred and one win teams in our division. That's two hundred and two wins, and we don't have to play the aggregate of two hundred and two wins as much right away. That's that's a bonus for us. Uh, right. Here's something you'll like in the this, in this schedule as far as, you know, we all agree that getting out of the gate strong is, is really important. Here's our home first 27, which is kind of remarkable in terms of to our advantage uh, with weaker teams. So we got Cincinnati Marlins, three each. 
Rockies four. There's your first ten at home. Uh, Seattle three, and yes, they're good. But then you bring in the depleted Red Sox for three. Blue Jays two. So that's that's five games against five hundred teams. Cubs three, Arizona three, Detroit three. So in the first twenty seven home games, you got Cincinnati, Marlins, Rockies, Cubs, Arizona, Detroit. That can make for a pretty good start at home. Yeah, it is. And, and, and if you take a look at our schedule the last couple of years, we've had an easier schedule the second half second than the half. first half. Very good point. You know, And so the fact that we're playing those teams uh, early, I mean, especially without Harper. Harper. Jeez, that's the other point. Know, yep, yep, yep. That, yep. That, that's going to be big. Uh, so that, that, that I didn't realize yep. that we played those teams that – in the first uh, month of the season. That's good. Are you sure that uh, Chad didn't send you the script for today? Because you pretty much read like all of our points before we made him today, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> what You are definitely hired, Bo, but that's the start they could have. And then it gets yeah. much tougher because then you get into the uh, next 29 home games or Dodgers, three, Braves, three, Mets, three, San Diego, four, Brewers, three. Uh, and yeah. I think Baltimore – it's a tough out this year. Do you agree with Baltimore? Yeah, they are. Nice. Yeah, they are. Their second half was very impressive. Very impressive, right? Yeah. They really turned it on. I don't know what they did because I don't follow Baltimore too closely, but yeah. they really looked good in that second half. They had three. That bullpen was really good. That bullpen was really good. The catcher. Uh, you know what? I when I when I managed, I like to play in April. I would really like to play the real good teams in April because pitchers aren't stretched out yet. Uh, they're coming from spring training. Guys sometimes take a little bit longer as opposed to playing them maybe June, July, or August. I'd rather play the real good team in April. And then, you know, because I don't think teams, for the most part, especially starting pitching. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're not going to see them go deep. Yeah. You know, they've been, and the way injuries are now and everything, you see guys go four or five innings. And, it's a, that's good uh, Good for us. We open yeah. up against DeGrom, and he'll probably have his five innings oh. pitch limit, you know, Bo? <laughs> oh, yeah, he won't go. It's, nah. yeah, then, exactly. we go then we go into New York where it's going to be freezing cold. So it's not the easiest start to the season between uh, that pitchy, but like you said, they're on pitch count limitations and all right. that. Right. I mean, if you want to win a, a trivia question at the lo- local cafeteria, ask someone how many wins DeGrom had the last two years and watch him say, oh, 15, 18, you know, five wins each the last two years. He doesn't post up. I mean, you know, it's a shame. We know he's what got, did he throw, 140 innings in yeah, like yeah. 70 each year or something, you're, somewhere around there? You're right on target, man. You're, yeah. It, yeah I, you, so, I mean, and to give that guy that kind of money, I mean, I, I, yeah, he, he's got a great arm. Yeah, but if he doesn't post up for thirty starts, <laughs> that's crazy. You know that, that that's not a good investment. No, I mean they, when they look at innings pitched the last three years, uh, of course you had twenty. We get that, but still, when you look at his innings pitched and posting up, and you look at the money they're getting him, wh- yeah. what, what are they trying to prognosticate that they're going to be the smartest team in the world and that Degrom will be able to pitch two hundred and twenty innings? It's just yeah. you don't think that's going to happen with doesn't him. Make doesn't make no, sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Nope. So, uh, but anyway, Bud, you good? You got anything left? We we pretty much emptied the clip here. Yeah, I think we're I think we're pretty good here. I think the bottom line is I think we're all really excited for the twenty twenty three Phillies. Wow. I mean, there's a there's a lot to be excited for. Just coming off the World Series in general, yeah. but with this signing of Trey Turner, I think it just it's made the off season just electric because every person you sign now. We're just adding. We're just adding a check to another win columns. How can this person yep. help help the team? So yeah. it's just. I, I, it's I, awesome. I don't think I'm concerned about a little bit. Uh, I mean, I like our, our ball club. I don't like the fact that uh, that JT is going to be going to the World Baseball yeah. Classic because uh, you know you he's going to want to catch. Yeah, and yeah. you take a look at his innings in that, and yeah. I'm sure that our front office has already called uh, the Rosa and said, "Hey, look." Uh, I know this guy wants to play, but let's let's be cautious here, and maybe other, every other game, or if he catches five innings the first, you know, something like that. But knowing JT, he's going to want to play catch every inning of every uh, of the whole classic. So if well, you got to be, you know, what you're getting up there in age. Now, I'm yeah. not saying he's old, but no, you know, you're right. A catcher can only do that squatting so much, and he he was a workhorse last year. He was. So yep, but, uh, I'm glad none of our pitchers are going. As far as I think some of our um, uh, guys in in Latin America are going, uh, that they're on our roster. They're going to other countries to pitch, but 
uh, Wheeler and Nola, uh, they're not going. So, which is good, uh, you know. So if so if Larry Boa is is managing that team, and you get the phone call to chill out a little bit on JT, and you still want to play to win, what's your answer? What's your response to that? I'm going to say I'll handle this. You guys can handle it when he comes back to you. <laughs> I love it. We're going to end on that note, Bo. Don't forget about us when you're down there in the spring, will you? Let oh, me, yeah. If you let, guys give me a shout-out, and we can uh, we can do it down there, too. Man, I'd love to do that, okay? Again, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for coming All on. Right. It's electric. You're a great guy. You're a great baseball person. We love you, buddy. All right, guys. Have a, a safe and healthy New Year. Back Thank at, you. Back at you. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Man, that was awesome. What, we should end too because yeah. where, where do you go from that interview? Not no, that was great. Inflate our own abilities, but uh, I thought our last uh, interview with Bo was uh, a lot of meat and potatoes, but that that was pretty good, was it? That was. And tells it how he tells it very much how it is, and uh, a lot of really this exciting things we talked about for yeah. for the upcoming Phillies, I and mean, there's just so much going on right now on this team. I think, too, he trusts the podcast. I th- he's acquainted and, uh, you know, knows that we're we're decent at what we do, and I think he likes the questions, right? He'd make him think a little bit and uh, not your routine stuff. Yeah, right? I really like the uh, attitude on the players. Yeah, it was about, great. You know, guys like Stott. Temperament. Uh, you know, Derek Hall, who could be playing maybe more on other teams, but they're not having that attitude. He's okay They're with looking it. at the team mm-hmm. role. And that's that's what you need when you look at a team that can win the World Series, a team that is truly a team and not a bunch of, of just individual guys. And that's what it sounds like we have. I think that's, no, that's what we do have in this 2023 Phillies. We had it last year, too, and now I think it's just gotten even better with, with Trey Turner coming on. So it's, I think it's a really going to be a really exciting year. So he did underscore temperament, and he also underscored versatility. Uh, let's not forget that. And it was Madden with the Cubs that had six players playing multiple positions. And he said that the options that it gave him defensively and pinch hitting and whatnot, you know, you could leave your pinch hitter in the game because the guy had a glove and he worked on that in the minor leagues and whatnot. And it's great to see the Phillies with players. But as it uh, relates to uh, the power hitter, Hall, is it? Yep. If I'm his agent, my guy's 27. This guy's got 280 uh, extra base hits in the minors. Uh, and he comes up last year and puts up, what was it, 12 doubles and nine home runs, something close to that. I, I got to be telling my guy, you may be missing you know, $100 million if you do this two years for another team. You're 27 years old. What role do you want to be in income-wise, right? I yeah. mean, the Phillies are probably paying him Major league uh, minimum three hundred and eighty thousand no, dollars. I think it's more than that. Let's hope the major league minimum is like mm. five eighty or six twenty now. So uh, career earnings, I think it's three seventy six so far. But yeah. I think next year it's seven hundred thousand. I think it's because it was a partial year. Okay, you know, but that's my didn't point. get the full salary. Yeah, that's my point. But if he hits twenty five home runs for the Detroit right. Tigers, or, or as Bo said, the Marlins, what a perfect fit for the Marlins, right? Uh, how many hitters do they have down there? They got Segura and the other guy that's pretty good. But, if, you know, if he, he played first base for the Marlins and puts up 35 doubles and 25 home runs, you know, three years in a row, he's $10 million a year, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's cur- it'll be a big year for him because he only got 40 games uh, last year, 140 plate appearances. He'll, he'll probably play, I don't think it'll every day because of that lefty-righty thing with, yeah. the, with him struggling versus lefties, but mm-hmm. a lot with with with, with righties and, and, and with Harper out to start – good chunk of the season we'll probably see him almost every day out there yeah do, do you have numbers in front of you as to what he does against lefties maybe he's just an I mean, last, absolute last year last year it was, it was really bad really it's okay um right it was something like he only had 12 uh, at bats though against lefties last year and he had right. you know one hit one for right, 12 right. It'd be interesting if you so, could stack castle his minor league numbers on lefty then maybe that's what major league baseball would say hey chuck the guy can't play he's a only righties uh, and uh, defensively, they may say he's limited. Although Bo did uh, give him some uh, lofty praise defensively, right? He said it was a little ahead of Reese, I believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we'll say with him, he's definitely a wild card guy to watch. He's a presence in the lineup, six four, two thirty. He's a big guy, uh, so he'll he'll be fun to track. And that's what you need is a bunch of young guys because they're working the off season. All of a sudden, maybe Nick Maton or Derek Hall becomes not just a. a 
maybe a utility backup type player, but an actual starter. And then you can really have a guy that's young now to put in your line for four or five years. That's what's great is that these guys here are still developing and still getting better every day. Yeah. It's hard to believe we had Boa for a whole hour and it, and it went really fast. Yeah, it was just She's, over an hour. Uh, Georgia TCU. Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, I do think Georgia. Did they cover? What's the line? I don't the know what the line like is. 14 or 10 or something. It's crazy. It's a bit of an insult. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll say yeah. I do, I'll I go with Georgia. They're just... All right. They didn't look great. Every time I watch that, whatever his name is, Stenton the fourth. Right. Every time I, I don't watch college. Every time I watch, he's just terrible. So if I watch, I'm sure they'll they'll lose. But if I don't watch, Georgia will probably win by by about forty points. All right, and let's wrap up the NFL. Would you please give me two teams participated in this year's Super Bowl? Well, I'm going to stay with the Eagles. I know the whole yeah. city of Philadelphia is <laughs> very worried right, right now. But Hertz was out. I think we got to stand by that. Hertz is this clearly anyone doubting Hertz and thinking, oh. Anyone could do this. It's yeah, not Hurts. Yeah. It's the players. No, it's Hurts. Hurts is, right. is a is the offense, and then the players a, around him. He may obviously make it everyone better, but Hurts is clearly <sighs> so easily seen how much we need him, how much we missed him, and that, no, you can't just plug any quarterback in there uh, and do this because Minshew is a respectable backup, and uh, you saw the, the past past two games. So I think Eagles are going to make it in the NFC. I'm going I'm to stay with them to get the Super Bowl. And um, AFC, um, I'm going to go back with Cincinnati, the Bengals. I don't know why. There's just something about Burrow. I feel like in the in the playoffs, we'll just, I just see a killer attitude in him. Um, I, think, I think he's going to get back there again, look for a little redemption, some vengeance, and I think he's going to get back there. Must be the DNA. I don't know if you saw the beginning of the game before that tragic uh, incident, but... Um, I, I didn't see the beginning, unfortunately. It, it looked like the Cincinnati of old. Yeah. He, he was just absolutely in the groove. I think they're healthier now than they were at any time during the season. Uh, they looked formidable. They looked like they were going to own that game. And uh, and does that that will give the NFL's got to resolve that. I don't know how they're going to do that. But I believe I saw something this morning that said, um, I don't know if it's confirmed or where it came from, Something about the game will have to be played within two days. Oh, okay. So tonight well, or tomorrow. Got it. Um, I, I think a lot of that's naturally going to come down to yeah. what 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 happens here, um, and hopefully there's a you know good recovery. And um, if Cincinnati you know, wins that game, bud, does that give them uh, home field? Just buy some time here, Chuck. Eleven and four, no Buffalo. Yeah, it would be. Uh, KC would be thirteen and three if they win. So no, they would retain home. So it looks like it's going to have to, assuming Buffalo doesn't get it done against Cincinnati in a replay. Well, the uh, Bengals are still fighting for the division lead because the Ravens are 10-6. and six, So if the Bengals were to lose, they would go five. to 11-5. Okay. and five, yeah. And then next week, um, actually, okay, so things could change again, too. Let's just suppose that Cincinnati's got to go through Kansas City with home field all the way through. Did they, did they beat KC and KC? Uh, I mean that's tough. That probably tough not. One. Probably not. But I'm just I'm gonna stick with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, they've won seven straight games, so they're they're probably the hottest right. team in football just right now. Not to be identical to my son, I'm going to go with KC. I'm going to project they'll keep the home field, uh, and uh, I'm absolutely not only am I sticking with the Eagles, but if you want to start the rant music, we can. I'll, I'll open up with the rant. Uh, do we have that to 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 queue up at yeah, this go point? Ahead. Yeah, I just want to say, and, and and Chad just said it, man. Eagle fans, relax. Uh, I I know the panic is induced to everybody like an injection through the uh, radio host. Uh, we won't mention any names, but they panic on the air, and it goes from best to worst. And uh, I mean, you take your quarterback out, you put the backup in, and, and this is what you can get. New Orleans was very good in some areas of defense, not so good. But the bottom line is they should have ran Sanders more. They didn't. Uh, that tells me that Sanders is, is is dinged up. That's what that tells me. How would you not use him once again? Uh, they want to keep him, you know, fresh for the playoffs. But you know, once they get healthy uh, as they could be, um, they're getting their tackle back right. Lane Johnson. They're not going to get their defensive back uh, back. That's what his name is. They're going to be fine. And nobody, underscore nobody, is coming through Philadelphia. I said this in our third podcast of the year. Did I not? Nobody's coming through Philadelphia. Yeah. 
to beat the Eagles. I've been on this for four months. I'll stick with it. It's Philly and uh, KC. How interesting. Andy Reid. And uh, it's Philly that wins the Super Bowl. Sounds good to me. I, I'm all I'm with that for sure. Um, so I think that's a show. I mean, I think we're good. Your rant's covered. I don't. I don't have a, the rant today. A, a, a rantless whiz kid. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in March, probably March, pending any uh, major Phillies news. Right. Yeah, I guess we'll probably be back in March. Maybe then. we'll take Bo up on his offer and go down to Clearwater. That would be fun. Do a podcast. Al would coach. Al would love that. And uh, so check us out if you want to comment, 609-828-5569 is my text cell. Uh, it was fun to take a lot of calls and comments uh, over the, the time that we were off. And how do they subscribe, bud, and, and yep. all that? So stuff. you can check us out on our website, speakingofsportspod.com. Our Twitter is the Speaking of Sports Podcast. Our email, speakingofsportspod at gmail. Instagram or, or TikTok as well. It's at Speaking of Sports. Uh, you'll find us there. We'll post some content for each show. And uh, check check it out and you know follow the show. And let us know what we can do to make it better. Happy New Year. That's an Happy out. New Year.